on this week's episode of Marketing Clock. In the market for improvements, some updates are coming to Microsoft ads that will enhance the experience. Who took the cookie from the cookie jar? You took the cookie from the cookie jar. Who, me? Yes, you. Who, not me? Then who? The UK's Competition and Markets Authority. That's who. All on today's show. Welcome, you are listening to Marketing O'Clock, just stay tuned Digital marketing news, but let's get specific Digital ads, SEO and analytics Social media and more Pretty much everything that'll make your website perform New shows every Friday We'll give you the news with sass and puns And definitely high takes Thank you for tuning in You know what time it is it's officially marketing o'clock. Settle in, sit back, keep it locked. Hey there, I'm Greg Finn. I'm Jess Bud. And it is officially marketing o'clock. Here on February 9th, 2024. And before we get into all of the digital marketing news this week, I just need to confess. I had no idea. I know this is like my life now, and I'm I, t- sorry. You're here for the show. I'm trying to be entertaining. This is all I have in my life. Um, I had no idea how intense children's sports were at the nine-year-old level. I know last week we were talking about how I despise Stanleys on the sideline and mm-hmm. the straws the water that bottles, get, yeah. all, get everybody's wet. I was in a game this weekend where the opposing coach. I thought was going to murder a referee. Hey, you we had a older referee, very skinny, frail man, um, very nice, cordial, and I was playing against an opposing coach who I, who I knew from from college. What sport, by the way? Soccer. This yeah. was for soccer. I try not to like give it up, but there's only one sport going on right now. I didn't know that. And there's something that's called like a build out line. You're supposed to be behind, and my team was pretty close to that build out line. I also have a bunch of really fast players that can like just fly in there and might have actually been okay. And the opposing coach I thought was going to actually take this person's, the referee's head off of his body and separate. I've never seen. For what? Because. Because your kids were too close to the line? We thought we were too close to the line. And then he couldn't get his subs in on every single play. And I, I had a problem too, and sometimes I didn't get it in because he didn't hear me, but I was like, oh, next one, next one, you'll come in, no problem. But it turned into a shouting match. Aww. It turned into the referee saying, you have to raise your hand. And the other coach is like, like this, like this, because that's what I've been doing. Oh, <laughs> and like, it's I'm so like, uncomfortable to watch. And then it, it proceeded into halftime. And my kid, like, I have, they're nine years old. Yeah, Do you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, they're nine. And so I'm like, all right, here are the keys to the half. And the ref, and, then, <laughs> and I just hear, well, what am I supposed to do? Blah, you do a match. I'm, and I'm like, all right. So like I move around so that they, they look away. So they have to look at me. I'm like, eyes on me, eyes on me, eyes on me. And on top of it, I'm like, and then we need to communicate better. That's why we took the damn field. Now, if you want to crown them, then crown their ass. Oh my gosh. He's mad. 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 Yeah. Over. Substitutions. Yeah. And I have yelled at a referee before. I'm not going to, I, I have, 
but it's when some of my players, especially my younger players or, or smaller players, have gotten trucked without a foul call. Okay, that's like, a much better like, reason. You're defending I, the youth. And I do it. Oh. And my style of yelling, I think, is hysterical. Because <laughs> in the bylaws and everything, it's like you have to treat the ref with respect. You, so me... sir. But worse. Um, so for me, I'm like, okay, you have to treat them with respect. So I go... Respectively, if that's not a foul, there's no such thing as a foul with respect. And so, like, I say respect, like, I know, but I'm like, you can't yell at me for not being respectful. I said, respectively, I said, with respect, you can't tell me I'm not treating you with respect. I literally included it in my jeer at you. I don't know if that counts, but I like that you're trying. Yeah, but so I'm always like, if that's not a foul, there's no such thing as a foul with respect. With respect. <laughs> but there was nothing like that on the other side. And this I, guy seemed like he was mad for like of his own accord too. Like you, like I said, you were defending your players, the youngins, when you got mad. Yeah, when there's a, a yeah. egregious foul yeah. that puts because if you don't stop that early, it just kind of continues on. And so like you really just want to stop that. But like something like a sub. Like I like, raised my hand, you didn't see yeah. me. Let me yell. So anyway, youth sports uh, is a hostile environment, I guess. Who knew? All right, what's in the digital marketing news this week? Jess and Shep is oh, out. Yeah. We didn't mention uh, that. Unfortunately, she is a daycare mom, in case you haven't been on the internet. Went viral with that, and some of that germs made it into Shep. So. Yeah, she's down for the count, and we thank her for not spreading it to us. Eh. <laughs> Although I don't thank her because now I'm stuck reporting on Microsoft ads, and I know she just loves to go through these updates, but I will do it for you, Shep, and I hope you're feeling better. Some updates from the platform. First, currently in beta, enhanced conversions are launching in all markets across America and Europe in the coming weeks. So if you are not familiar, enhanced conversions incorporate privacy-safe first-party customer data such as email and phone numbers to essentially make your conversion um, reporting more accurate. So it improves the accuracy. It helps you track um, better cross-device with conversions and comply with regulations because it's all privacy-safe and how they do it. So that's launching wide, which is nice. Um, Some other new things with the platform, advertisers in the U.S. and Canada will be able to tap into in-market audiences based on company size and job titles. This is data sourced from LinkedIn. Uh, There is RSA asset reporting that's now going to be available at both the campaign and ad group levels. They've also got a new campaign creation view that's supposed to make things easier. They note that it's just a couple of steps, so I would say be careful with that one. Um, And finally, the previously announced deprecation of the hotel center in favor of the new lodging campaigns has been put on pause, and that's due to customer feedback. A lot of folks said they needed more time to prep for that transition. So I love when people listen. It's not being stopped indefinitely, but it is being paused to give people a little bit more time if you are in the hospitality space. So a lot of updates there. Most of them kind of small but enhanced conversions is a big one again across america and europe in the coming weeks so look out for that yeah and i think those in market audiences by um the company size and the job titles are huge yeah could be for SaaS advertisers in particular right. looking yeah. at you shep i know well we talk about all the time that when you see these announcements like a uh, google you know marketing live or something like that that it never really talks to b2b but the ability to eliminate company sizes at our enterprise level or something, that's a big deal. Mm-hmm. That's cool. It is. Long live Google Gemini. Mm. Apparently, and it's supposed to launch today. We record on Wednesday. And it's supposed to launch on the 7th. But apparently, Google Bard is changing its name to Gemini. 
in addition, there's a couple other other changes. There will be a pro version, it appears, according to MSN. Also, there will there's we're gonna have it in the cool tools section, but there's more capabilities like image generation. And so if you have been from I feel like all the good names get taken away. They took portal away from us. They took the whole product away. They're gonna think not just the name Bard. I know. What are you gonna away say? From us? Gemini? The year is young. You will have a new weird thing to say. I feel that's it. true. Um, but apparently there was a change log that was supposed to happen and a developer saw that there was a change from Bard to Gemini. Um, and I guess my only question is like, I know we talked about this over and over and over again, but what on earth is happening with the naming over at Google? Because Google had just announced Gemini and that was a few months back where you could get Gemini in three sizes. You could get Gemini Ultra, Gemini Pro, Gemini Nano. And these were all these different LLMs. And then Bard would use the Gemini technology. Mm. So now it seems like Gemini is not a separate product where it seemed like Bard was for text. And the Gemini was supposed to be like images, video, text, all, like kind of everything, like multimodal, whatever. But just to change Bard to Gemini, doesn't that like... If Gemini was already something. It was already a thing. Yeah. Well, there are Gemini does mean two, right? Maybe there's just two of them. Is that what Gemini means? I think so. I'm going to look You look that up I'll while Google I keep going through. So again, in the Gemini announcement, they said, starting today, Bard will use a fine-tuned version of Gemini Pro for more advanced reasoning, planning, understanding, and more. Um, it also appears that the name that comes out of Bard might be... Gemini Pro, but that that's speculation. We'll have to see what happens. But I just I don't really get the nomenclature of Gemini Ultra Pro Light and then Bard now being Gemini. Well, a Gemini personality is playful and intellectual intellectually curious. So maybe that kind of makes sense <clears throat> for the name itself, but Gemini means the twins in Zodiac. So yeah, it's two. They're not twins. Oh, the so, twins to like your point. Ultra Pro and Nano. Yeah, totally the same. They're for, they're fraternal twins. <laughs> okay. So then I'm like, you know what? How can we confirm this news before we report today? I went to the source. I went to Ouch. Bard themselves. <laughs> and I said, hi, Bard. Are you changing your name to Gemini? And this is the answer. They said, you're very well informed. There are indeed reports and leaked documents suggesting that Google's AI chatbot Bard, which you're interacting with right now, might be rebranding as Gemini. This change is said to coincide with other updates, including launching a premium tier, introducing the Android app, and improving the user interface. While Google hasn't officially confirmed this name yet, the leaked documents suggest it could happen very soon, possibly today, February 7th. So to answer your question directly, there's a strong possibility that I might be called Gemini in the near future. But for now, you can still interact with me as Bard. I'm curious. What do you think about the potential name change? Oh, I like that. Here's me typing. Yeah. No, Bard. Bard really flows off the tongue. Bard. Did you type that to it? No. You just, should have because maybe it would have stopped them in their yeah. tracks. No, I want Gemini. <laughs> I don't want to say the word Bard anymore. Yes, you do. I do. <laughs> Last up here, kind of a nothing burger at the moment, only because we're not really sure where it'll land, but still important to talk about. The headline reads, Google cannot proceed with third-party cookie deprecation. All about deprecation today. This is from Nicola Agius for Search Engine Land. So what is happening exactly? 
The UK's Competition and Markets Authority, or CMA, has some concerns over Google's privacy sandbox. This isn't the first time, um, but they're most recently noting that there is still work to be done to make sure that Google does not use its tools in a way that self-preferences its own advertising services. Specific things they called out, um, Google may continue to benefit from user activity data while limiting competitors' access to said data. Um, Google will have the ability to control the inclusion of ad tech rivals, again, advantaging itself. And then they also noted that publishers and advertisers might be less able to efficiently identify fraudulent activity. So until these concerns are addressed, Google may have to delay the deprecation of cookies, but it might not happen because they're actively working to address these concerns. Like I said, it's not the first time. Um, And apparently thus far, Google has fulfilled its commitments to making competition fairer. So I think they're just continuing to dive into this and Google's continuing to work on it. So we're not really sure if there's going to be a delay. If there is, we'll, you know, let you know. We'll just see how it shakes out. But FYI, there's more work to do on Google's side of things. Now it's time for this week's Take of the Week. This is a hashtag fire digital marketing take with extra spice served up for you. We simply deliver the take for your consumption. We give no opinions. We don't influence. You make the call. This week's Take of the Week comes from the one, the only, Anthony Hickman. Hickman! He has a X post that says the keyword doomsday clock just moved up to 100 seconds to midnight. A Google rep emailed me today and mentioned keyword themes and now search term categories is inside the ads tab. So again, he heard from two sources, one being actual inside the RSA. There are now search term categories your ad appears for. This makes me want to cry. A lot. <laughs> like, I could cry and demand about this. Yeah, do I tell. Can. Categories could be somewhat helpful. I, I'd agree with that, especially if you've got broad match and just a basic keyword and something like podcast. But yeah, you're showing for marketing podcasts. You're showing for digital marketing podcasts. You're showing for podcast platforms, podcast players. Like, that, that could be helpful. But... Anthony is right, and I feel that in the depths of my heart, and it just, it makes me really sad. I just, I know I, I am the pro, pro, most pro Google market of the year, 2022 and 2023. Nobody take that away from me. No, it's been awarded. It's 2024 now, so. I know. But you going to earn it? No, I just, I love Google ads. I know. And I love what it can do for business and I love what it can do for companies and I love how successful you can be with it and when I see these like innovations about search categories it is actually very depressing to me because Anthony's right the writing is on the wall and these changes deep down if we make a truth serum we deliver it to Google we ask the execs why these changes are being made. It's not to improve performance. It never has been to improve performance. And I wish there was somebody at that company that was just spearheading the fact like, let's make a platform that's awesome. Let's make what something What a novel great. idea. And, and like, I stay up at night. I stay up at night and I think about, I was thinking about this out yesterday. I was thinking about, the fact that being a public company 
is probably a huge competitive disadvantage in many ways. Obviously not besides the funding and the money, but the fact that you are beholden to those quarterly numbers that Mm -hmm. come out. Like if you were actually in charge of Google, you would make it something that everybody loved and you'd come out with different ways to target and you'd be like, let's give you more and this. You wouldn't turn things into search categories and just, I don't know why. I just had like a visceral reaction to seeing a screenshot about the fact that there's now the search term categories that your ad appears for. It's, and I know we're getting to this spot too. And I feel like, I don't know, I was, I was talking earlier, like what are the stages of like grief or whatever? I've been in denial for a long time. <laughs> with this and like, I don't know what the next one is, but I'm like here with it. And it's just, it, it's gotta be just sheer sadness. Cause that's what I feel. I like. think there's, a, are we at acceptance yet? That's the last one, right? You know, I don't feel like no, you're I'm accepting not at acceptance. this. Yeah, you're just feeling I'm, calm and sad. I'm not calm. <laughs> you're you are very outwardly calm. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Holding it down. I'm in. trying not to freak out. Yeah, I know. I can tell. But if there was a ref here, maybe respectfully. Respect with respect. Um, no, but with with respect, these changes. If you can only go towards categories, you are intentionally showing on more terms. I agree, there could be conversions, but at the same time, there is less targeting, mm-hmm. less intentionality with what people are doing, less thought that goes into things, more waste, and that is, it's just sheer f-ing sadness on my side of things. So, wow. thank you, Anthony. Now it's time for this week's ICYMI. I see why am I people? This is something you just might not have seen. Maybe something that you overlooked, but you shouldn't have. I see why am I people? We're keeping it Google Ads here. This one's a little more informative, a little less sad. From Melissa Mackey at go, Beyond go the Page. Get it a little closer. Yeah. I need to. I got to read it. I should have blown up my screenshot. Okay. Melissa says, if you're using smart bidding, bid adjustments don't apply except for negative 100% for mobile devices or tablets. And that's a nugget, right? That is one post in a thread about how Google Ads bid adjustments are, in her words, woefully misunderstood. So if you are an advertiser using Google Ads, please go read the whole thing. She's got some clarity for us all, as well as offering some bonus content, a visual from Digital Sam I Am that kind of charts out what works where and how, which is really helpful. Everyone needs a refresher on how bid adjustments work or don't, especially as things get more and more complicated. Yeah, and one thing in that thread she stated is that in that campaign specifically, there were bid adjustments for every single one of the 50 states that are just thrown out. It just doesn't matter. So this is your like, it's now almost like a bi-weekly reminder about how (laughs) Google Ads works. So, I mean, we need bi-weekly updates, honestly. Now it's time for this week's... Pew, pew, lightning round. At this point in the show, we split up our content into three parts. Paid, organic, and social. All right, and first up in the paid universe, Meta is enhancing the non-click video ads conversion insights. And according to Meta, they're helping advertisers take advantage of this video trend 
the engaged view. Wondering what an engaged view is? <laughs> it's a trend. It must be. Oh, I mean, they said it, so it must, must it be must real. Be. Yeah. The engaged view can be counted in ads measurement reporting. When somebody plays your video ads for a minimum of 10 seconds or watches 97% of the video length, 96% won't cut it if it's less than 10 seconds and converts within a one day window. Engaged view is available for all placements except Facebook in-stream video ads that cannot be skipped. Which makes sense because that's automatic yeah. engagement, I no, guess. I, I, I love this. I, I've been doing more YouTube stuff and just seeing the overall lift of view through conversions, like this engaged view, mm-hmm. it's really powerful. And I think a lot of times as PPCers, like PPCers, it's a stupid term. We're digital advertisers. I don't get I don't get the PPCers, whatever. It's just shorter. Right. But like if you look at things and you look at view through conversions on Google Ads or engaged view on Meta. Not everybody is always exactly ready to purchase. And to be able to say, you saw this and then you convert it. Obviously, there's got to be things like you need to be using the Facebook browser or you need to have the Facebook pixel installed. But this is, a, I think, very helpful. You can then add more of those conversions on. You just want to know that that's what you're going after. I think sure. that's the key. Mm-hmm. So I'm all in on this. I've got a new section here. We're just going to debut it. I didn't okay this with Shep. I'm sorry. She's not here. It's called the It's Not You, It's Google Love section it. Love of the it. show. Okay. First up, Google is investigating, quote, brutal local service ads tactic that is destroying leads for business from search engine land and Nicole Agus. This Google loophole enables competitors to intentionally manipulate the system, making your ads invisible without your knowledge. You can set up an LSA account and link it to somebody else's Google business profile. And if you do so, what will happen is the original ads become invisible, killing off all the leads, according to the article. And the article goes on to say, alarmingly, competitors can use this loophole to intentionally create LSA linked to your GBP or Google business profile without your knowledge, preventing your ad from reaching customers. There was Ben Fisher, the co-founder at Steady Demand, and he said, this is a brutal new tactic that competitors are doing at LSA. A competitor makes a new LSA and the system will essentially nuke the competitor out of existence. It's wrong on many levels. Jenny Marvin our bastion of hope for Google, <laughs> Google support said um, that she's looking into the issue. And if there's one thing I know, if Jeannie's looking into the issue, the issue will be fixed. Yeah, she's actually looking into it and more. Okay, next up in the It's Not You, It's Google section, Google is investigating bugs that are impacting the payment method in credit card updates. There are many advertisers that noticed that they were unable to change any credit cards. There were, it seemed like there might've been a workaround where you can go to fix issues on one error warning and get to the credit card section. But most people were unable to update payment methods. So if that's you, it does seem like it's being fixed. Just give it a minute. And if you're out of budget, I'm sorry. (laughs) I'm sorry on behalf of Google. They're sorry too. They want, I don't know if they're sorry. Well, they want the money. I'm not going to speak on their behalf, but I'm going to speak on behalf of me if I was a Google rep. I'm sorry. 
Okay. Google is investigating a confusing ad text error that's impacting ad campaigns. Users with time-sensitive campaigns on Google Ads are recommended to upload new assets or edit existing assets using a different label. And apparently, the issue is showing that it is saying it's confusing text. In the ad? The screenshot that Adrian Decker shared with Nicola from Search Engine Land made it look like it might have been a PMAX campaign, but he was saying something in the headline that said, shine with ultimate armor. And Google Ads was saying it's confusing text. So then he said, best of ceramic coating in PPF. And Google said, that's confusing text. Then he said, it's ultimate armor dash no scratches. And Google said, that's confusing text. So if you're seeing confusing text issues there, um, Google is apparently saying the only known workaround at this time is for the advertiser to upload new assets or to edit the existing assets to replace those that are currently labeled. And the term assets is a broad term. I don't want to get into it. I'm really trying not to rant today. Theory. Yeah. Small conspiracy theory. Since the reps know so little about the product they just call everything an asset so that they don't even have to know which part they're looking we're talking about well you said they know little about the product they say they know nothing fair enough yeah but then they just give them a blanket term everything's an asset they can't be wrong well with pmax everything technically is an asset but with everything else things are i know anyway can we it's not you it's google out for a second sure i'm not gonna rant today So any of your headlines, descriptions, site links, anything like that, if you get confusing text, (laughs) I'm just going to call those assets for today. So try to do a new one. A lot of times you can just edit something and resubmit it. Even if it's the same thing, you can resubmit it. Just do that if you get the confusing text error. Up next, we have another article from the one and only Nicola over at Search Engine Land. It is regarding advertiser sentiment towards AI in response to those RSA updates that were announced last week. We talked about those in last week's episode in the main news. Catch up if you haven't, but it sparked a much bigger conversation about the use of automation in Google Ads in general. Nicola wanted to hear from some advertisers from the community. They going to be good? They got this one guy, Greg Finn. I don't know if you've ever heard of him. I was just talking to her. I was just, I was just like, t- I was just messaging her. I, I think didn't make something smart to put out there. So it was a lot of my like, stupid. You've been quoted instant, several I know, times. But it was just my stupid instant thoughts. But I think that's good. You do want to talk about it, honestly, because again, I feel like a lot of people kind of share the same. I'll use the word sentiment again because I got nothing. Same sentiment as you, but yeah, I mean, to me, the RSA thing last week, fine with it. Mm-hmm. I think it's good. I think RSAs need to change. I like the fact you're going to have a single headline RSA. Do I think you should take the second headline and put it towards a description? Maybe, maybe not. That's fine. I don't have problems with that. From um, my side of things, when you have to use automation, there's nothing else. That's the problem. And to me, like the biggest automation hurdle that people come across, especially in high CPC markets, is close variance. There's nothing remotely in the same hemisphere as the issue with the automation of close variance. Mm-hmm. And it's to me, it's like automation is good. I would go on the record saying 80 
percent of my campaigns that I'm looking after are using automation, whether it's smart bidding, whether it's, it's mainly just smart bidding, (laughs) (laughs) but I use Broadmatch. I use Broadmatch a lot. I was somebody who would never use Broadmatch. I use Broadmatch because it works. I use Performance Max because it works. Not because I like it, but because it works. I like the results. Mm -hmm. And to me, the ability to selectively choose the automation that you want to use is the important part of it. And when it gets to something like close variance or like that where you have no way of opting out of it, to me, that's the issue that we're concerned about because we want the best for our clients, for our companies, for our brand. Like that's the whole thing. And it's not because, oh, it's the word automation is included in it. It's because I don't want my personal injury attorney terms to match with somebody else's brand name. Right. That's the problem with mm-hmm. it. And that's what I think a lot of people were saying is, is similar things. They like the automation when it works, but there needs to be guardrails. There needs to be some controls. Advertisers still need to be able to pull some levers. And I'm paraphrasing here, but that's pretty much the theme of what everybody was saying, yourself included. Yeah. And again, I, I think automation is good, but I think it should be used selectively. Mm-hmm. I think AI is good. It should be used selectively. I, I, there's a lot of nuance in there. And that's my favorite thing. Instead of don't ever say again, it depends. There's nuance to everything. Mm-hmm. But if you can use it to your success, broad match, great. I can use target return and spend automation with broad match automation. And I can look and harvest and use something to try to find new leads that I might have missed. Great. But I can also bid to make sure my impression share for exact, exact hmm. quote unquote match terms is on the higher end of things. So like, I'm okay with that. But that's you putting the human element in with the AI, which Google said is the TLDR on their response is like, basically when humans and machines combine, you get the best results and follow best practices and we'll keep listening to you. So they didn't really say much, but. Right, but then you see then you see the search term categories. And it's like, you're either not making that for humans or you're making that for, f- I'm not going to, uh, tables, I'm not going to curse Zen back out. I'm zenning out. Zen back out. You're making that so that people will spend more money down the road or for people that are lazy and stupid. It's one of the two. Maybe both. And if you're lazy and stupid, you probably don't care. It's whatever. So um, I am dead set on not ranting today, Jess. Okay. Don't don't get in my way. We can move on. We can talk about money real quick. Uh, Two last things here in paid, just some dollar signs. So Amazon, we got some Q4 reporting here. Amazon's ad services revenue was up 27% year over year in Q4. That's a lot. Can I talk about that quick? I would love for it. Yeah, go for it. This might be one of the best business tricks that's ever been played on anyone. What, to give a high percentage that things are up? You were selling product. You were taking a percentage of the product. And at the same time, in one quarter, you were making $14 billion (laughs) on people trying to give you a percentage of their product. That is galaxy brain. Meta saw some growth too. Its ad revenue was up 24% year over year in Q4. Um, 2023 was 38.7 billion compared to 31.3 billion last year. 
Also of note, daily active users on Facebook was up 6% year over year and 8% up across the entire Meta family. So people are using it. People are advertising on it. I don't think anyone's surprised, but still growing. That's it for paid. What is happening in organic, Mr. Finn? Okay, add this to the in memoriam list here because one of my favorite features of Google and especially just trying to diagnose things in the SERPs is the cache link. And it is going away. Google has officially removed the cache link from the SERPs as of last week. And Google confirmed it will remove the cache functionality completely in the near future. I would always look at it and just be like, hey, quick, what did Google see on this page? Is there something that was like missing, something that didn't get picked up? Googlebot couldn't crawl it or whatever. And Danny Sullivan, Google's search liaison, um, had told Search Engine Land that Google has decided to retire it and removed it from the search results page and will remove it completely. So if you're looking for anything old, your only real shot right now is the Wayback Machine, archive.org. So you're going to have to use that now. So good luck and God bless. Okay, Google has also revamped its SEO starter guide with a focus on a starter audience. So I'm just gonna go through kind of what it changed and Barry Schwartz over at Search Engine Land did a great job outlining it. Also an incredibly fast talker. He says, uh, Google removed the glossary section and the structured data section. Google removed this section because it said that it's more of an advanced topic that starters don't have to think about, unquote. Plus Google said, Quote, if someone is using a content management system or CMS, like Wix or tables, bleep this out, they might try to use a plugin and not have to worry about learning how to add code to the website. They also updated the mobile friendliness section and Google said most new sites and platforms are already mobile friendly. So Google decided this was not needed anymore. And they also removed the analyzing site performance section. Google did add, why do this? And Google added sections that lacked answer to why should I do this and why is this thing not there? (laughs) And then SEO theories and ideas. Google added a new section about common SEO theories and ideas about where Google thinks people shouldn't focus too much. So I think that's helpful. And then also what is, like what is duplicate content? Um, Any of those questions people have. So if you're new to SEO, you can check out the starter pack there. All right, and according to Danny Goodwin from Search Engine Land, one year later, a little change to Microsoft Bing's search market share. And he says, despite lots of hype and hope from Microsoft, Google still dominates search. The Bing has made tiny gains, U.S. and worldwide. So Bing is up to 7.87% of all search, um, up from 6.35, and that's in the U.S. And actually, worldwide, Bing declined, um, oh, no, sorry, no, it increased yeah. from 2.81% to 3.43%. I, I read those numbers backward. And Google is the one that declined from 88.96% to 87.46%. Ooh. <laughs> and worldwide, it dropped from 93.37% to 91.47%. From Search Engine Roundtable, Google is adding the ability to test to uh, search just for web results, like you would filter by just video results. So. Barry Schwartz had said the 10 blue links are back. And there were some screenshots that were provided to Barry from a pundit who shared this with Barry and Mastodon. People are still using it. Still a thing. Thought it was extinct. The Don lives on. <laughs> and when you hit web results, it's just like a listing like you used to see. So if that's you want fun. that, that's cool. Nostalgic. Great. I like it. I like more options. 
Okay, next up, Google is facing a new U.S. antitrust jury trial in September. This probably should go have gone to the paid side of things because this one seems like it's all about the dominance of digital advertising technology. Mm. And I think Google's, Google, it will lose this big time. You think? When What came out in the last DOJ investigation about the fact that Microsoft was pushing for changes within DoubleClick and, and Google would, like was slowing those down, that screams monopoly to me, where you're not helping your competitors get what they want when you had said you would. That seems like antitrust. So um, it, it will now happen on September 9th, 2024, and we'll keep you covered. All right, Microsoft Copilot updates. There's the new design, image editing tools, and video highlights. Copilot is the chat GPT of Microsoft and um, you can now do inline editing of AI-generated images with Microsoft Designer integration. And there's new video highlights in Edge. I got a new section here. Oh, I'm you just bringing have them several all new sections today. this week. Yeah, what's called checking AI on you. Checking AI in on checking you. Checking AI in. Yeah, in that is hard to say. Yeah, it looks great. good no, in writing. Great. Yeah. It rolls off the tongue. No, it's not. And from brandbuilders.io. There, they had a new study, a lot of good AI stuff in there. But one thing that stood out is that 41% of marketers say that AI is less creative than them. I don't know. It comes up with some wild stuff. Now, let's contradict that with the new study from SEMrush, a.k.a. SEMrush, a.k.a. SEMrush. They say that 54% of people that responded to the survey preferred content that had been created by AI rather than humans. It's like Rocky and Bullwink, right? A, either people hate creative work, or B, you're not as creative as you think you are. It's true. I think I'm not saying AI stuff is good, but it is creative. I have seen some things that don't make sense, which is creative. Okay. And I like that. I don't hate that. And that's it in organic. What's happening in social, bud? <laughs> not much. But first up, move over Google. We have a post on X from the one and only Glenn Gabe, who says, Interesting. TikTok's prompting users to download a new dedicated TikTok search shortcut for your home screen. So we know we've talked about a lot of people do perform searches on TikTok. That's their go-to search engine. And now you can just have have that straight from your home screen on your phone. You don't even have to go into the app and then search. So smart. It's a move. Pretty smart. It's a move. Yeah. All right. So a bit ago... Meta announced the release of the latest version of their graph and marketing APIs. With that, they quietly noted the deprecation of their Facebook Groups API. So if you're currently using that to push out posts in about three months, you will not be able to. What is going on? I don't know. They said that like the main reason people are using the Groups API is just to post private replies, which the new graph API will take care of. I know I talked about last week in Tables Cut, probably 90% of it out. But, like, there are cults that start in Facebook groups. The twin <laughs> flames. You're taking something. They need an API. <laughs> as, like, potent yeah. as Facebook groups that can start cults and ruin people's lives. And you're like, we're not going to support this anymore. It's crazy. And people are mad about it, too. Like, there's a lot of developers and marketers that are angry. They're like, you're pushing us to TikTok now because you're taking things away. And yeah, I mean, it sounds like they don't really understand the way that people are using the API. They're just saying, well, this one thing, we're going to move it over there. And that's all you needed this for. And it sounds like it's not true to people that it matters to. So RIP in peace. 
Um, there's also some interesting discourse happening on threads about threads. It all started with this Mike Haas 3 who said, hot take, Misery's the best person to lead Instagram, not a good one for threads. Adam Misery chimed in and asked why. And there's just a lot of back and forth. It's pretty interesting if you care and you want to read about it. But essentially... People are asking for more content from the people they care about. They want to be able to see it in like lists and things like that. Um, Better ways to segment stuff versus just like a for you page. Um, And Adam Masseri said, we understand and it's on the table. My honest take, though, is that requested features like lists and edit button, following feed, trending and hashtags are all good to build, but none noticeably grow threads or threads usage. We'll continue to build them because it's good to build features that your most engaged users are excited about, but we it's hard to prioritize them when measurable impact is negligible. I feel like you have people finally using your platform. There's things that they want, and it sounds like you're hearing them and you're going to do it, so why would you just say something to say it's not important? This is, But it's like a, a lot of back and forth. I like that he's listening to the people and engaging no, I don't. with them, I don't. but I don't, I don't, I don't think he's like giving it. them anything. No. He's no, saying that this, we're going to give you things. This loser is past his prime. This loser. That's what this guy it's says. All those it's silky shirts, things. all those little little chambrays and things he's wearing. He's past his prime. That was a good prime. That was very Adam of you. It's too much. Yeah. You are trying to build a real-time communication platform. Correct or am I incorrect? Correct, but without what? user politics, first of all. I'm going to get to that. Okay. What do people care about? What is happening real time? Now, you're going into it and saying, we don't want to be political. We don't want to touch hard subjects. Then guess what? Your silly little platform will not be the go-to source for real-time communications. Tables, we got him to rant. Uh, No, this is not a rant. Yeah, it is. This is not a rant. If you want threads to be a thing, copy X. But don't <laughs> take X and take the insane person out of X. Pretty simple. Take all the take take all the the the, the par- politics and partisanness and all the thoughts and whatever. Take that out of X and just make a new X. People want to know what's trending. You're going to this for real time communication to see instant thoughts on stuff. People want to know what other people think. People don't want to hear what Elon Musk has to think. <laughs> How is this so simple yet so hard? But he's also saying that he's going to do it. I just don't get that. He's like, it's not important, but we'll do it for you. But it's not going to help our growth. Somebody even commented and was also, like, I don't why care. Why would you be like, I want to help our growth? No, that is the ass backward way of thinking to be like, hey, Jess, um, hey, we're going to go through a performance review of you. You know what? What are some of the thoughts you have? Are you looking for more resources? Yes. Well, that's not going to help my growth, Jess. You know what? It's not going to help my growth. So you don't get it. You don't get the resources because it's not going to help my growth. No, your whole thing is about cultivating a community, cultivating people that enjoy the product, cultivating people that can't think about not using the product. And you're sitting out here being like, well, it's not going to help my growth. That is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. And I cannot believe the threads is still a thing. I cannot believe Adam Asiri is running this thing. And then the way he's saying these things is so condescending to me because he's such a smug little guy in his stupid glasses and a silk shirt. He's like, oh, that's interesting. There's often a pattern. Blah, 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 help my growth. How about somebody in the world thinks about the people using the thing? Are you Mike Haas 3? No. Is that what he said? 
<laughs> he's the one that started it all. But oh. yeah. And again, I reiterate, he says they're still going to do the things. They're just not important. So no, you're just this being is why rude. it's doomed. Right. This is why it's doomed. It's because of Adam Masseri. You heard it here first. R.I.P. This. It's going to be in memoriam 2025 threads. R.I.P. Because of Adam Masseri. And that brings us to our real life segment. Straight out of our accounts and into your ear holes. It's time for Working Hard or Hardly Working, where we talk about what's going on in our IRL work. Good, bad, or otherwise. All right, this week, something working hard for me. When it first launched, Bard, aka Maybe Gemini. Maybe Gemini. I wasn't a fan. It's pretty good now. It, I, I feel like I go to Bard quite a bit, and it, it does a good job. And you like so, talking to it. It's a friendly little buddy. I mean, I like its creativity about like world destruction and stuff like that. But is in, it more creative than you? No. Uh, no. No, I'd come up with something better. <laughs> I'd come up with something better. For world destruction? <laughs> yeah. I think I, I'd be like EMP. Was that the... Electromagnetic pulse? Yeah, yeah. like the James Bond thing? Yeah, yeah, I think that's what... But then, like, it can't really say that because then it dies. But I, 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 I'm True. more creative than Bard. You are a human. But I, I would just say if you tried it when it first came out, it is much better. Just like most things, Google launches, Pmax, Demand Gen is better now. Not good, not good but better. Um, There's so, a difference. Yeah. Yeah. All right. What about you? Um, speaking of getting better, I want to shout out to Kat Woodcock on our team. She has been doing some work here internally to improve our processes. I feel like we do a good job for our clients and try to streamline and be efficient. But when it comes to our own stuff, we don't always do that. It's been a really good exercise, and it's been very handy, and we're working smarter, not harder. So thank you, Kat. Working hard. And now for this week's Cool Tool. As a reminder, our Cool Tool segment is not an official endorsement or paid mention. We're simply sharing something we found in our travels that may be of use to our listeners. And is really, really cool. This week's Cool Tool isn't hard to use because it's barred and I don't know anything that rhymes with Gemini so I'm not even gonna try my favorite outcast <laughs> album was Equemini what? so why don't you use Gemini <laughs> sure we'll go with that sorry chef uh, so we alluded to it earlier but Bard can now generate images for you and it is not horrible I asked it to create an image of two podcast hosts that were missing their friend that's homesick. And I'm not sure if they licensed the use of the Nike logo on this guy's shirt, but otherwise they look like they're in a lot of despair. These two are really missing Shep. Yeah. And the other thing, like Google had said it wasn't going to like, because there's a whole bunch. Apparently the world is all about Taylor Swift. If you're happy, I'm happy. I don't care about Taylor Swift. I'm happy that you, you're happy. That's my, my take. Fair. If you like Taylor Swift, I'm happy. I'm okay with her. Yeah, yeah, but like that's fine. But apparently the world has gone bonkers about Taylor Swift. So apparently. much so that Google like won't make any single AI content about Taylor Swift. I'm like That's a stance. Yeah. So I'm like, hey Bard, can you make Taylor Swift as a robot? It's like, we cannot do this. So then I'm like, hey, you know what, Bard? I'm smarter than you. I'm 41% more creative than you. <laughs> Give me a physical description of Taylor Swift. And it did. So then I said, take this physical description and show me this person cheering for the 49ers. And I did. And this is near identical. This is near identical. Look it up on the screen. If you're not watching on YouTube, if you're looking at Spotify and listening, pull it up on video. 
How could you tell this is different than the actual Taylor Swift herself? I mean, it doesn't really look like her, but I'm just shocked at the fact look that at, you no, no. you, you, you use Bart what to make you the physical at? description. What picture are you looking at? The San Francisco cheerleader That's that you put on just here. just like her. It doesn't. Her nose is much wider. Her no, because what Bart said is... The she height doesn't build have a heart-shaped face. Is 5'11", tall and slender build, naturally blonde. She's experimented with various shades. Her eyes are vibrant blue-green, blue, uh, blue often described as captivating and expressive. And she's got a heart-shaped face. This is Taylor Swift in a 49ers uh, shirt. I just, I also don't That's know the how, wrong team, though, right? That's why I was trying to make something funny. Oh. I was trying to make a funny Taylor Swift. Got it. So anyway, I, I thought it looked pretty spot on. If you want to get- Do you really or are you messing with no. me? That does not look like Taylor Swift. It looks more like Carrie Underwood. Shep would agree with me. I know she would. Uh, no, I think that's Taylor Swift. That's not Taylor Swift. Bard disagrees. <laughs> anyway, it is pretty cool. I will say it's a very lifelike image of some young lady. Um, anyway, new capabilities for Bard. As always, we'll have the link in our newsletter as well as on Discord. It's newsletter.andcommunity.marketingclock.com respectively, with respect. So pick your poison and check it out. We do. We might need to get her to a lens crafter, so. Her eye, her eye is a little off. Now it's time for our must-read marketing article of the week. An article so advanced, so in-depth, so detailed, that we simply cannot cover it in its entirety on today's show. This week's must-read marketing article of the week comes from the one, the only power listener of the show, Sarah Steeman, and it's over on Search Engine Land called Value-Based Bidding, Why It's Key to Boosting Your Google Ads. And Sarah goes in-depth, deep, detailed information about what is value-based bidding, the contrast of value-based bidding with what people sometimes I think they think is value-based bidding, which is maximized conversions bidding, the traditional application of value-based bidding. Um, she goes into some exceptions about value-based bidding for lead gen advertisers, and then kind of breaks it down to some approaches to value-based bidding, one being like ranking values method, and the other being like the true value of each conversion, which we're you know fans of. And then also talks to the entire paid search community and gets their thoughts and then has the verdict for value-based bidding. So if you have not implemented value-based bidding right now, go listen to Sarah. Go follow Sarah. Amazing marketer, Sarah Steeman. Thank you so much. Check it out over on Search Engine Land or get all the news on newsletter.marketingclock.com or community.marketingclock.com. And now on to our playlist of curated songs to work to, which you can find over at playlist.marketingclock.com. Greg, what is going on the playlist for you this week? Honestly, there's been a lot going on this week, and I forgot to do this. So I'm going to do it live here for you. Slip by Nicotine Dolls. Did I add that yet? Not to my knowledge. I really thought you were going to say Slipknot, though. I got excited. Nope. Slip by the Nicotine Dolls. All right. And for me, it is Sparks by Coldplay. That does it for today's show. It is now officially not marketing o'clock. Thanks for listening. We miss you already. And we can't wait to see you next week. Thanks for listening to Marketing O'Clock. If you're looking for more information on today's topic, head over to marketingoclock.com slash newsletter to receive every single article we covered. We share the news as it breaks in our Discord community. Head over to community.marketingoclock.com to join. Welcome to this week's episode of Shooting the Heck, where after our famous Friday marketing news shows, we don't talk about marketing more. We just shoot the heck and get the intro wrong. 
Look, Chap, <laughs> as we've talked about, isn't here today. I'm doing the best I can, You're Jess. Doing right. Thank You're you. You're doing all right. And Tables is doing his best as he brought the actual game today. And I believe it is to pump us all up for the big game. I don't know if you can say Super Bowl or not. You just did. Oh, I did. Yeah. Well, hey, uh, redacted. Officially redacted. <laughs> also, why can't you say that? I don't know. That's is what it it's trademarked? Called. You just got to call it the big game. The big game. Okay, Tables, what do you got for the shooting hack this week? Okay, so the big game had uh, Media Day yesterday, and over the years of the big game, there have been some terrible questions asked. So we're going to divvy them up and vote on which ones we think are the worst. So we're going to make a bracket, and together we're going to come up with the worst question ever asked before the big NFL football game, a.k.a. the Super Bowl. Pretty much. And uh, if you disagree with us, we're going to have a poll on Spotify where you can vote on that as well. And uh, disclaimer, you're wrong. You're wrong. Yeah, if you disagree with us, (laughs) don't. (laughs) Totally wrong. Okay. Okay, round one. So Rams quarterback Kurt Warner was asked, do you believe in voodoo? And if so, can I have a lock of your hair? I mean, this might be the winner. I mean, I feel like and this person believes in voodoo. Okay. It doesn't matter. Yeah. This is like, and I'm also like, I've been reading all these apocalyptic books and I'm like, people should worry about their hair more. Yeah. Like, there's it could be, be a used. lot you're going to be able to get from that yeah. down the road. It could okay. be used against you. Yeah, that, that's creepy. Okay, okay, so we have voodoo and then we also have, mind you, this is being asked to a Broncos fullback, an NFL fullback named Detron Smith. He was asked, what size panties do you think you would wear? Mm, I didn't think the other one had a chance to lose, but that's... that's a, what is the criteria here? The worst question? Which the is the worst question? question? Do you believe in mm. voodoo and can I have a lock of your hair? Or what size panties do you think you'd wear? I got to go with lock of hair I because still... one is inappropriate. Both are inappropriate, but one has malice. Yeah, one is like... Give me something yes, of yours. Yes, the ma- the too much malice. I don't, yeah. Or possibly they might be casting a love spell. I mean, one might be just somebody, they're out there shooting their shot, just trying to like get noticed, like, hey, what are your panties? Like, and the other one is like, can I get the hair? Give That's too hair. much. Yeah. Hair. Yeah, definitely. Hair. Okay, moving on. Round two. So Cowboys running back Emmett Smith was asked, what do you think you will be wearing to the game on Sunday? <laughs> That is that's pretty good. That's, that's, yeah. <laughs> now that, helmet, <laughs> jersey, pads. In Maybe same, what cologne? What scent? Perhaps. I, don't, I have no idea. In the same uh, Super Bowl media day, Bills center Kent Hall was asked by a reporter if he could have his pants. If he could have the reporter's pants? No, if the reporter could have Kent Hall's pants. So, so this must have been in the 90s. Did the Bills win that one, Tables? Oh, come on. They barely lost. <laughs> mm. Mm. Ouch. Hey, how many have the Lions been to? Oh. Mm. Mm. The fact that he's a center is weird that you're asking for his pants. Why? Do they not wear pants? Um, generally, you have a little more mass. You're a little, uh, a little larger human. You've got a quarterback's hands right there on your pants, right on your, you know, right on your anus. Oh. Like, I think the Kent Hall. I'm going Kent Hall. I don't know. I just feel like, how, how, why would you ask someone what they would wear to the game? To be fair, there are people, like, have you ever seen Ben Simmons in an NBA game? No. 
it is the most wild thing. So a lot of times, also like people wear fancy clothes to the game. So I think I think oh, that's probably just okay. a nervous oh, reporter. Okay. I'm going Kent Hall because somebody wants the pants from the game because the quarterback had their hands right up in there in their butt. I'm going to disagree with you just because the table said that he would be the tiebreaker, and I'd love to know what he thinks. I can see why both would be chosen, but I'm going to go with what are you going to wear yes! in the game see, on Sunday? Yes! Because obviously you just don't uniform. want the Bills to be a loser again. You just don't want them to be embarrassed again by the Cowboys. That's why <laughs> I'm put uh, this is all now under protest. The rest of this. All right, whatever. Moving on. Washington quarterback Doug Williams. So a little bit of background. He was the first African-American quarterback to start in a Super Bowl. And a reporter asked him. Doug, would it be easier if you were the second black quarterback to play in the Super Bowl? <laughs> I don't get okay, it. Okay, so that's question one. <laughs> yeah. All right, what's question two? <laughs> okay, so question two. This was back in the day. I don't even know what year. Uh, Raiders quarterback Jim Plunkett was asked, Jim, is it your mother who's blind and your father who's <laughs> deaf or the other way around? These are awful questions. Okay. This is before Google. I don't even. I don't even think this is a, a, a close second. This is the the Jim Plunkett one. It's got to be right because like Doug Williams is like a very revered quarterback. Everybody doubted him. He was the first African American to be quarterback. I was just listening to an interview where they're talking specifically about Doug Williams paving the way. The fact that the saying "paving the way" even exists sort of legitimizes that second question because somebody has to pave the way and everybody knows it was Doug Williams. So maybe you shouldn't have asked that question. I concur, but everybody, he is a revered figure in, in the NFL because of that. So I don't, maybe it wasn't the best word to question, but Jim Plunkett about the blindness and the deafness, 100%. Yeah, that's just a weird thing to clarify and just be like, or is it the other way around? Yeah. I don't like Do that. your research. I don't like You're a reporter. Delivery. Yeah. That's your job. Do your homework like Tables did. He Do knows your job. what year this was. Okay. Yeah. In, all, in all fairness, it was before Google. But anyway. Okay. So last year, round four, Nick Sirianni was asked, Nick, what player on the Eagles would you let date your daughter? Now, in response to this, Nick Sirianni said, my daughter is five years old. <laughs> I think we got a winner, Jess. We got a winner. <laughs> so <Okay>. good. <laughs> what are people doing? Okay, so in 2012, Ravens tight end Dennis Pitter was asked, on a scale of one to ten, how ticklish are you? <laughs> that's, that's a good question. Stupid, but yeah. that's a kind of a good question. It's an interesting one. It's like, not bad. It's strange. Yeah, I mean, maybe like trying to get a competitive advantage. Maybe as a reporter <laughs> on the other team. You know, the 49ers reporter or something like that. Um, it's it's the Definitely, Nick Sirianni. Yeah, the child one. I don't want to talk about it. So can, we move, can we move Janice Pitt up so I don't have to talk about five-year-olds anymore? Okay, fifth and final round. So in 2013, Broncos linebacker Danny Trevathan was asked, who would you rather see in a thong, Andy Reid or Mark Mangio? Why are there all these underwear questions? I don't know. Yesterday, Patrick Mahomes was asked... Pat, how do you feel about your dad being arrested? <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm still mentally recovering because I had to just imagine Andy reading a thong for a second, Tables. So thank I, yeah. you. Um, this is the worst question answer category. Mm -hmm. I got to go thong. Really? Do you want to see a picture of Andy Reid? I don't know who that is. 
Um, I would say he probably wouldn't make it on the Chippendales A-team. Gotcha. I don't know. I just, off my initial reaction, I laughed harder at the arrested thing, which you're probably not supposed to laugh at. I'm sure it's a sensitive subject. DWI, not no joking. Oh, yeah. That's not funny at all. It also has nothing to do with football. The other question is football adjacent. One is birth adjacent. Can't play football without birth. Yeah. All right, I'm going thong. Break the tie tables. I think the Mahomes one's funnier, but I think the worst question. Funnier? Yeah, cause, just because it's so blunt. Um, but I do think the worst question is Andy Reid thong, so I'm going to go fine, with that. Fine, fine. Okay, so let's do our final five and let's pick a winner. We'll do uh, we'll do third place, second place, first place. I okay, like that. Perfect. Remind me the five, though. Okay, yeah. so first up we have Kurt Warner Voodoo. Can I have a lock of your hair? What will you be wearing to Sunday's game? Asked to Emmett Smith. <laughs> then we have... <laughs> Is your mother who's blind, <laughs> your father who's deaf, or the other way around? Then we have Nick Sirianni uh, being asked what player on his team he would let date his five-year-old daughter. And then finally rounding it out, we have linebacker Danny Trevathan was asked who he would rather see in a thong, Andy Reid or Mark Mangio. I've got my list. Feel free to interject if not. Okay. I've got third place, the thong. Because you're talking about your head coach, a person of authority, Somebody who it's clearly inappropriate. That's that's three for me. Number two for me, which I thought was going to be number one, was Kurt Warner. Is that the voodoo one? The voodoo. Because I definitely would go number one. Yeah. But here's why I have number one being Jim Plunk. Oh, you know what? I'm putting Nick Sirianni number three. Take that back. Yeah. The thong don't one, talk about like, five. Whatever. Or, like yeah. that's too much. Yeah. So okay, get any read out of there. Okay. So. Sirianni three. Mm-hmm. Number two is going to be Kurt Warner. The hair. In the voodoo. Okay. Number one, because I'm trying to dive deep into the intentionality of the question. You have limited time at these things. <laughs> it's a media frenzy. You have to kind of get your shot off, get that question. Hopefully you get something good from it. What the heck are you trying to get by asking Jim Plunkett if his mother was deaf or his father is blind or his mother is blind and his father was deaf, that's like just a fact. Like what? That is the number one stupidest question out of everything you've said because there's no payoff. That's true. Like it's just a confirmation like, of one yeah. or the other. Yeah, that's like, a good point. Then you're done. Yeah. Then you're done. Like, that's a stupid question with like no, it's a not yes or no question anywhere. basically. Like maybe Patrick Mahomes says something like, very empathetic or something like that or about his father. Maybe Nick Sirianni's like, well, I hope my daughter grows up to be somebody that looks for these characteristics or maybe Kurt Warner. Like, there's nothing coming from who's blind, who's deaf. <laughs> nothing coming from that. Just just an answer. Just yeah, confirmation. Just, <laughs> okay, you thanks. could just go ask a, his agent or like somebody on his team. Like, <laughs> you don't need to use your time for that. That's my number one. And I just love that it's all happening like this. So serious. <laughs> which of your parents is which? Okay. Yeah, it's pretty bad. Do, do you disagree? I, you've made a good case. I would not have picked those, but I'm with you now that you've said it. And that was this week's Shooting Heck, and we'll see you next week. You know what time it is. It's officially marketing o'clock. Settle in, sit back, keep it locked.